God, I know the Lord tonight is a present help in the time of trouble. The arm of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. And his ear is open to the prayer of the righteous. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Pastor Cox, for this opportunity tonight to share the word of the Lord. Amen. Look at somebody and say, God wants to do something. I look back at him again and say, in you and through you. That's right. That's right. We're a little quiet tonight, but that's okay. We're, we're about uh, 60, 70% of what we usually are on a midweek, but that's okay. It's holiday season and people are visiting family and traveling and this and that. But uh, God cared enough to uh, have the evangelists go meet up with one man in the desert. And uh, he was a eunuch. And God revealed himself to him. If God would come to one man, surely he would come to this number of people tonight. Amen. <clears throat> Let's go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. A couple passages I think we all love and appreciate. I feel confident tonight that the Lord has given me this word to deliver to you. Amen. I'm not into sermonizing. And I learned a long time ago the difference between a sermon and a message. A sermon is, is the human thought, um, the, the, just the, the human mind that puts together a good thought from the Bible and delivers that uh, sermon, which may be truth, but a message is something that God gives. And uh, the word sermon is not even in the Bible, I understand. But uh, the word message is many times. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I want to talk about spirit-led evangelism. Somebody say spirit-led evangelism. And I believe all types of evangelism, even when the Holy Ghost isn't necessarily directing you, but you do it from your heart, you do it because it's needed, you do it because you want to, and you love souls, and you just go and you witness, and you hand out invitations, and you knock doors, and whatever you're doing, all the different types of evangelism, I believe, is important and vital and vital and good. But there is a thing that is called spirit-led evangelism. That's when the Holy Ghost is working. That's when the Holy Ghost is moving. And the Holy Ghost is moving on you as an individual. And the Holy Ghost is leading you as a person, as an individual. And now you're doing something that you didn't plan on doing. You're hearing from God something that you didn't know you were going to hear. And you're involved in something suddenly in the spirit that you did not know was going to happen. That's what we call spirit-led evangelism. I'm not talking about in, inside the doors here, and, and uh, what we do here is uh, awesome, and uh, the prayer and um, the liberty that pastors give in the church to minister to one another. Not all churches are even allowed to do that. You may not know that uh, if you've not been around very much, but not all churches are allowed to even lay hands on. There's churches that say you can't even lay hands on somebody unless you're, unless you're a preacher, but thank God for the liberty, amen, that you have here tonight, that you can feel led to do that. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
And that, that power we know is the Greek word dunamis, and it means uh, ability to perform. God has given you the ability to perform. I'm just going to talk to us a little, little while tonight. Is that all right? Probably won't hang from those lights. Uh, really don't want to. <laughs> um, but uh, we're just going to see if we can impart something here in the next little while. But you shall receive power after that. And when you look at that in the Greek, after that, it sounds like, well, maybe the next day or the next month or the next year, sometime after you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. Isn't that what it says? That's what it says, after that. But when you look at it in the Greek, it doesn't mean that. It, it actually says in the Greek, but you shall receive power while the Holy Ghost is coming upon you. Amen. When you receive the Holy Ghost on that particular day, my day was March 2nd, 1980. When I received the Holy Ghost, the power of God came upon me. The day that you receive the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues, you receive power. You have as much power as anybody else has. You may not know how to operate in it. You may not know how to yield to it. You may not know anything about it. And just like you go to the military, they hand you an M16 rifle. They set you down inside of a, a big tank, you know, that can shoot bombs. You may not know a thing about it, but there's a lot of power right in front of you. And right here tonight, there's a lot of power in each one of us, amen, and God wants to lead you and guide you to spirit-led evangelism outside of these four walls, in the stores, at the gas station, at the school, at the college, in the street, at the park, at work, wherever you're at. God wants somebody to speak to. God wants somebody to yield to him that he can perform the very thing that he wants to do. But I've got to be hearing. I've got to be listening. I've got to be ready. And you've got to be hearing and listening and ready at all times, you may not even be expecting anything. Amen. All of a sudden, something comes upon you, and God moves upon you, and next thing you know, you're doing something, as I said a moment ago, where God is operating and moving through you on your job. Somebody's being healed. Somebody's being delivered. That's what this power is for. We, we look at the word witness, and we, we think about, well, I'm going to invite him to church, and that's good, and that's a little bit of it. That's, that's part of it. But the word witness there really in the Greek is a martyr. They were dying for Jesus. We shall be martyrs for Jesus. That's what that means. We shall die for the Lord in the flesh. That's how far gone they were. They were being killed because of their witness and this power and this witness is much more than, much more than, would you come to church and I'm going to give you a Bible study and I'm going to give you a home Bible study and I'm going to invite you to community group. All that is key. All that is important. We're going to do that. We're going to continue to do that. We know all that is biblical. It's extremely biblical. It is 100% biblical, but I'm telling you what, there is this power goes beyond inviting somebody and saying Jesus loves you and quoting Acts 2.38. This power is so much more than that. Amen. And now some, some people don't even do the, the, the part that I just mentioned. They don't even witness. They never invite anybody to the church. There's, there's nothing that comes from them to get anyone to go to church. And we've got to launch out. Sure, it's a step, and we learn, and we grow in this. <clears throat> now, you're not going to, you know, we're not all going to start out the same, and 
and do the same, and we're all going to grow in, 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 in this thing and to be used of God. And as we grow and as we yield ourselves and as we learn then, we're going to be able to hear the Spirit of the Lord and understand what God is doing. Amen. The verbal witness needs a demonstration. It needs a demonstration. The apostles were always demonstrating. Paul said, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now, as a young man in 1985, when I, I announced my calling to preach, I was called from my mother's womb. Any God-called preacher is called from his mother's womb. But when I announced that calling, I began to pray and I began to tell God, I don't want to be just an orator. I still pray, God, I don't want to just be a speaker. I don't want to be just a talker. I don't want to be just a quote-unquote preacher that delivers a sermon. But, God, I want to be used of you, and that has been my prayer. That Even if you're not a preacher, you can pray that prayer. God, I want to be more than just a verbal witness. I want to be used in the power of God. Hallelujah. So my wife and I... We were, uh, when we were pastoring some years ago, pardon me, I've got this little cough going on. So we had one old lady, I had a radio broadcast for a while, and I was teaching in time Bible prophecy for a while on there, and every week I'd go to YCA over there in Hammond, and go in there in their studio, and I would teach for about 30 minutes on end time prophecy, and this lady started coming from the broadcast, and she began to bring people, and and she got the Holy Ghost, and she got baptized, and some of her family did as well, and she just brought people all the time. And, and then she said to us one day, she said, I want you to go see my cousin, Brenda. My cousin's got cancer, <clears throat> and uh, she has uh, been studying with the Jehovah's Witness, and she's really hungry for God. So she gave us Brenda's phone number, and we, 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 we called uh, Brenda, and we set a time to go talk to her. And, the goal was to get a home Bible study. That's what we did. We did a lot of home Bible studies. There's my for a long time. We probably averaged uh, five, six, eight Bible studies uh, a week doing, you know, working a full-time job, doing home Bible studies in people's homes. And sometimes there'd be one person there. Sometimes there'd be 15 people there. So, you know, we, we had a, a lot of that. But we went to sit with Brenda over there in Hegwish, Illinois, and in her, her mobile home, and she was bald, and she'd been taking chemo treatments probably in her early 40s maybe and whatever it was. And um, she had been studying with the Jehovah Witness for about five years. <clears throat> and um, she, um, she was really hungry for God. She, she said, I want more. And we just sat there on the couch and my wife and I began to talk to her, just telling her about the Holy Ghost and, you know, and just trying to give her something to get some salt on her tongue or make her hungry or make her thirsty for something. And she said, man, that's, that's what I've been wanting all my life. She said, that's what I've been wanting all my life right there. And she said, um, and uh, so we, we was there probably a half hour. And I said, well, you know, let's just stand and pray. We's going to, you know, get ready to leave. And we stood there and the three of us, we just kind of held hands right there, just the three of us in their living room. And. And uh, tears are just streaming down our face as we're just praying. 
and uh, just reached over, just touched her on the head, and, and, and it's five, ten seconds. She's speaking in tongues just as clear, receives the Holy Ghost. Just, and she had confessed that she had been a prostitute as well. I forgot to tell you that, just giving you some detail. God is going to come to the hungry. It don't matter what they've done, what they've been doing. Amen. Who they are, he sees that hunger with the tears streaming down her face, just standing there speaking in tongues, just as clear as could be right there in her home. You don't have to be in a church service to be used of God. That same power that you feel, that same authority, that same liberty that you feel uh, between the, the platform and those chairs right there on the front row, you can have that same liberty, and you can have that same power out there on the street or the workplace, but you're going to have to hear from God. You're going need to hear, amen, you're going to have to be directed and led by the Holy Ghost. So in taking a look at the Old Testament prophets and from Genesis to Revelation, when you, when you really think about it, it, it was, I can't think of any exceptions, and there might be, and God answered prayers for a lot of people. He answered prayers for Esther, and we could read about a lot of prayers being answered. But when you think about, uh, Pastor Mitch, how, who, was, who was doing the miracles? Who, it was the prophets of God that were doing the miracles. It was Elijah and Elisha and Moses and others that were doing, that were involved in all types of miracles. God was using the prophets of old. And then when we get to the, the New Testament, we get, begin to read in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Now Jesus is doing miracles. And, and what about, uh, what about uh, the, the apostles? Now he's teaching them. And now they're doing miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now look what happens um, in um, Mark uh, chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 through 20. These signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Praise God. Not them that are the pastors. Not them that are the church planners. Not them that are called to preach, not them that have a license, but them that believe. If you are a believer, amen, I want you to try to impart some faith to you tonight that God can use you in these things. Outside of this, oh, it's easy right here, ain't it? Just so easy. Oh, sister, she's so going through something right now. Brother so-and-so, he's going through something. I'm just going to go over there and put my hand on That's easy. That's easy stuff. Yeah, that's easy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. We need it. We're going to continue that, right? But what about there when nobody else is around from the church? There is no music. There's nobody talking in tongues. You, you haven't even been in prayer. You're just going about your business, and you're walking through the food aisle of the Walmart looking at the, the ice cream that you might want to buy. That ice cream, I want some chocolate ice cream. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost moves. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost says, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <coughs> that's right. So, but look at the verse here. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So, somebody say, casting out devils. That's one of the main ministries of Jesus and one of the main ministries that should be in the church. There are people that are possessed that come into this place. There are people that are oppressed, that have spirits living on the inside of them. 
That's right. You cannot live in gross immoral sins without having demonic spirits on the inside of you. That's right. That's right. We live in an age now where a lot of the church just don't want to talk about it. But I'm telling you what, this is the fact and this is the truth. And this is why so many people backslide and they cannot stay with God. Because those spirits are still tormenting them. That's right. And they've got to be driven away. And they need to, they need to learn how to fight their own battles. And, of course, that's what we're always trying to teach. And They shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We like that. That's important. We, we should be healing the sick. They should be part of the Christian church today. We do that, right? That, that's, that's, that's a major part. That's part of the signs. A sign distinguishes or sets apart a, a person from other people. There's signs in his ministry. Anybody can talk it. Anybody can talk about it. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now watch this, 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The apostles did, the 11. The Lord working with them. And the, what? The Lord working with them. This is the part we need. I need to know that God is with me when I'm out there doing my business somewhere. I may be on the job, wherever I'm at. I need to know that God is with me. Hallelujah. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. <clears throat> what did the Lord do? He went with them and he confirmed the word with signs following. There are the signs of healings. There are the signs of deliverance. There are the signs of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. Out and about, away from the congregation, away from the church building. Why? Because we are the church, and we reverence this place as the church. But in all reality, you are the church. In all reality, you are that you are that mini Jesus, if I could say it that way, because you took on his name, and you're the bride of Christ, and you're sons and daughters of God, and he's commissioned you to do these works. Paul didn't wait too long to get involved. He was an Old Testament Jew, wasn't doing, wasn't doing any miracles. Didn't take him too long at all. Man, he, he gets this God in and started preaching, and God started using him in a mighty way. His faith was high. So take a look. We talked about the Old Testament prophets, that God was using them, it seemed like only in the Old Testament, to do the, the major miracles. And then we went to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it was Jesus and the apostles. And then we go to the book of Acts, and it seems like it's still the apostles. Who do you read about in the book of Acts that was doing miracles that was not an apostle? Well, we can read about uh, Stephen. He wasn't an apostle. The Bible says that he was a deacon. I, I doubt if he was a sneaking deacon. He must have been a pretty good deacon. All right. But the Bible says he was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles. That's right. Stephen, a man of faith. I don't even know if he was a preacher. I don't know. I don't even know if the scripture says. I didn't notice. He wasn't an apostle. I know that. But he did great wonders and miracles, and he was full of faith and power. I believe 
that God intended for the church in Acts to really take a hold of what he said in Mark chapter 16. I believe that the apostles, maybe they preached it, maybe they taught it, and maybe the church just didn't get it. Or maybe for some reason the book of Acts doesn't record it. But it would seem like it would have recorded some of it at least. I'm telling you what, you little sister that is quiet and you just shy, whoever you are, just God can use you. Don't matter who you are. God can use you. You don't have to be a loud mouth like me. You don't have to be like anybody. Just be you. God's going to use you in your own way. That's right. God can use anybody he wants to. You're never going to get perfect enough to be used of God. You're not. Because the moment you think you're good enough, next thing you know, you're just going to you're gonna mess up. You've got to obey God even when, you, when you're not perfect. When you don't feel so good about yourself, you've got to obey God when God is saying do such and such because you're not the miracle worker anyway. And you're not going to be the one to get the credit anyway. It's going to be God that gets the glory, that God gets the credit, that God gets the praise. So we might as well let God use us. But if you never pray for anybody, how, how's, God, will he, God will not heal He he will not heal 100%. Am I saying that right? 100% of the people that you don't pray for won't get healed by your prayer. 100%. But if you prayed for 10 people, what if just one of them got healed? What if one of them got delivered? Maybe the rest of them didn't believe. Maybe your faith wasn't up to par. But if one of them got healed or one of them got delivered, that's that one that might be like the woman at the well that went back to her whole city. Amen. And she's bringing everybody into the church. She brings in 100 people because that one person that did get healed when you prayed. Amen. I pray for a lot of people over the phone because of my job. But what if we just started doing that? When it wasn't our job. And you just started saying to people, it could be somebody from the church. It could be somebody in a business from the telephone company, uh, the cell phone company, the gas company. Somebody else that you're talking to and you say before you hang up, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about before we let you go? Oh, my. Uh, it happens, people. God, God can move through the telephone lines. That's right. God can move through a prayer cloth and, and a handkerchief and an apron, as pastor's been doing, as we've been sending out. Amen? This is biblical stuff, and this is what pastor's doing. He's trying to get us out of our comfort zone. We need spirit-led evangelism. So the church needs to go forth, as in Mark 16. So Peter and John, they, they're walking, and they on the way to prayer. Good, good thing to do. They're on their way to prayer, and uh, they see this lame man that no doubt they've been looking at this guy all of their life. He's been, the man's laying there 40, at least 40 years old, I think the Scripture says, and he's uh, laying at this beautiful gate. Anybody know why they called it the beautiful gate? Because it was beautiful. It was the beautiful gate in Jerusalem, and he sat there all the time where people were coming in and out, and there was a lot of traffic there, and he sat there with his tin can, no doubt, or his little cup or whatever he had, looking for alms, and his legs didn't work. He, he couldn't walk, but one day the Holy Ghost moved on Peter when the man spoke to him. He said, 
Hey, do you have any uh, silver or gold? Do you have any alms? I'm broke. I'm poor. Can you help me? And, And the Bible says, Peter said, look on us. Look at us. The man, no doubt, looked up and stared. He said, silver and gold, the Holy Ghost hit him. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Paul, uh, Peter, uh, John didn't plan that out that day. No, they didn't, but the Holy Ghost moved on him, and you've got to obey the Holy Ghost. He reached down and took him up, grabbed his hand and pulled him up. Oh, God, heal this man of his lame legs. Heal him, oh, God. They didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't say a prayer. They didn't even ask God to do anything. All they did was grab him by the hand and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And that man began to leap and jump and worship God and became a, a wonderful testimony for the church of the power of God. That's right. Several years back, my wife and I, as you, some of you know, we've been foster parents, and we had to uh, go for a training. You have to have so many hours a year. And there was a training we signed up for over in Gary, Indiana, uh, right on Broadway there. We went up second, third floor, whatever it was. <coughs> Trainings usually last several hours. We had to get so many points so we could keep our foster care license. And so we were in there, and I said, let's sit toward the back. So we were a couple rows from the back. There was probably 40 or 50 people in that uh in that room being trained, and we're sitting there being trained, and uh, all of a sudden the, 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 the instructor said, there's two instructors, he said, okay, we're going to separate the class, we're going to take uh, uh, every other person, and they're going to separate and go to another room for a little while, and they're going to do something, you're going to come back. Okay, so my wife was one of those that got up, but, but God had already spoke to me about something sitting there, and I wasn't for sure it was God. I, I'm, I'm trying the spirit, I, but there was a man up in front of me on my right, and I wasn't in prayer. I wasn't talking in tongues. I was just sitting there minding my business in the meeting with my wife, and I told her what happened. In my mind, something said to me, and it was a word that came and said, this man is a lawyer. That man right there is a lawyer, and when I heard that, then I saw this little snapshot vision of the mayor's office in him, and 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 the voice said he's done legal work for for the for the uh, for the mayor. And I had been in that office one time, not in the office, but down the hallway. And God brought that office back to my mind at that moment. And I'm thinking, okay, this feels so real. This feels like I. It's like I know something already. It's like I physically, mentally know this. But I still. I, I, I told my wife about it. I said, I have, to, I have to figure out how to test this and see. You know, I don't want to look like a fool. You know, <laughs> I'm not a prophet. And, uh, but anyway, so our instructor, she goes out, and our instructor says, okay, everybody, uh, all you that are left, I need somebody to help me kind of, uh, uh, kind of be the leader of this class. And uh, boom, and there it is in my mind, I'm thinking. And I did like this, and the guy's sitting right over there. His back's to me. I haven't talked to anybody. We didn't know anybody. We didn't know the instructors. We didn't know anybody in the class. We knew nothing about anybody, and they didn't know us. And when he said, I need somebody to kind of lead the class, I did like this. I pointed at that guy, and I leaned over my table, and I said, let the, let the attorney do it. I said it out loud just like that. And the guy spins around and looks at me and says, how'd you know I was a lawyer? I said, I'll tell you after class. 
I'm on first base. God will use you wherever you are. You don't have to be talking in tongues, okay? But God can speak clearly. After the class, I went up to him, and he smiled at me, and he said, how did you know I was a lawyer? I said, let me ask you, have you ever done legal work for the city of Hammond, for the mayor's office? He said, yes, I have. How did you know? So then I began to talk to him about the Lord, and I got his information, began to reach out to him. So God's trying to save this attorney, and God will use you if you'll hear from God. And then when you hear from God, find a way to act on it. We're not talking about making up stuff. There was nothing there to make up. How could I figure that out? It was impossible for me to That was not of my own mind or my own intellect. I'm just saying, I'm talking about spirit-led evangelism. The Apostle Paul, where's he at? He's on a, on a travel, right? He's going down and he's going somewhere and all of a sudden, oh, coming this way, there's 12, 12 guys traveling together. He, and, and they begin to talk about the Lord. And he said, have, uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said, well, you haven't heard of the Holy Ghost. And, and then he uh, says, well, how, how then were you baptized? He figured if they hadn't heard of the Holy Ghost, maybe their baptism wasn't right. But th they were believers. They were Christian believers for what they knew. And Paul began to witness to them. I'm talking about away from the church. I'm talking about a powerful ministry right now. And Paul lays hands on 12 men right out there on the street. Boom. Boom, boom, and they begin talking in tongues, one after another, 12 men. He takes them near some water, baptizes them all in Jesus' name. Man, you can't get much better than that. I'm talking about spirit-led evangelism. I'm talking about being led of the Holy Ghost on the street and God connecting you with people. That was a divine appointment. I like divine appointments, don't you? Oh, you need to pray in your, your, your time at home. God, set me up. God, give me a divine appointment. God, lead me to somebody. Just clap our hands to the Lord if we would. Glad to have my daughter, Lucretia, with us tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. There was a man by the name of Cornelius in the book of Acts. He didn't have the Holy Ghost. He wasn't baptized in Jesus' name yet. He did, but in Acts chapter, was it? eight or nine, for early part of ten, whatever it was, the Bible said that he saw a vision, and an angel came to him and spoke to him. I'm talking about a man that did not even have the Holy Ghost, but he prayed so much so that God was able to give him a vision. And the angel came to him and said, listen, you go find Peter, and he's going to tell you how to get saved. <laughs> I'm talking about the Holy Ghost moving on a man. If God can move on a man without the Holy Ghost, what in the world can he do with somebody that has the Holy Ghost? Amen? The Bible says that Peter was released from jail by an angel. By an angel. 17 times in the book of Acts, the word angel is used. Just in the book of Acts. Just the direct word. And how many times in the Gospels, I don't know, how many times throughout the Old Testament, I'm telling you what, you have angels right now to help you and to guide you and direct you and to speak to you and assist you. Oh, you need to do a study on it if you don't believe it. Oh, it is throughout the Bible. 
And I'll tell you what, it is for today as well. It is extra help that God has given you and I as the apostolic church. The angel comes, takes his cuffs off his hands, takes the shackles off his feet, pops them upside the head. Peter, wake up! What? what? Oh, who's that? Where'd you get that bright light? Oh, he's, oh. Opens the door, goes outside, takes him out, puts the guards to sleep, and then there's a big, big steel door, no doubt. And then he opens that door too, and Peter escapes. I'm telling you what, God can make a way for the person that will hear his voice. Peter could have said, oh, I'm having a bad dream. It's just crazy. Oh, I'm just going right back to sleep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In another place, the Bible says that Peter was, he would just walk down the streets. And people would bring the sick and the lame and the, the diseased and dying and they would lay them out in the streets so that the shadow of Peter, the sun was over there, they'd lay them over here so that that long shadow, and they had in their hearts, if I can just get in the shadow of this man of God, we're not trying to exalt a man, but that was the thought process of the people. And they believed that God would do something. And God was doing things. <coughs> Some years ago, I had to go to the post office and uh, mail a, a letter, and I parked, and it was a van to my right, and uh, there was a man in the van, and I kind of felt to, to say something to him, uh, carrying tracks and had gospel information with me, and, and I didn't, I, and I went in, and I thought, okay, if he's out there in that van, when I get out, I'm going to say something to him, I'm going to witness to him, and I began talking to this man. Come to find out he was a pastor. He was a pastor of a Pentecostal Trinitarian church. <clears throat> and so I gave him some literature, and we, I didn't tell him I was apostolic. And he didn't tell me he was Trinitarian, but, you know, you know, if you've been doing it very much, you figure that out real quick. And so I knew that, and I told him about a Bible study. The Bible says, he that won his souls is wise. We need to be harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. <clears throat> so I said to him, listen, I've been using this Bible study, and um, we're going back some, some years ago, and it was a very popular two-day home Bible study on the new birth, and it would take two days to give this, and the way it was set up, you had to give it two consecutive days. It had to be that way, otherwise it would not have the effect. I said, listen, man, I'm, I'm doing this Bible study with people, and I'm winning souls. And matter of fact, this Bible study is so popular now, it's been used throughout the world. People are winning souls with this Bible study everywhere, around the world. And it was very popular. It, it was, that was the truth. I said, I'd like to uh, give you this Bible study so you can see how it works. You might want to use it in your church. He said, man, I'd really be interested in that. I said, we exchanged phone numbers, and I called him. I set an appointment, and we... I, I came to his office at his church, pastor, about 100 people. I went to his office, and, and I said to him, now, brother, he didn't know that I knew that he was Trinitarian and his baptism wasn't right. He didn't, he didn't know what I knew. I knew what I knew. 
<clears throat> and I said, now remember, I'm going to give you this Bible study. We agreed upon it. He wanted to hear it. So we agreed on two days, and I told him it was going to take at least two hours, two and a half hours each day. It was a long Bible study. The first day, it was nothing about Acts 2.38 at all. It was only about that you have to obey the apostles' doctrine. And there was scripture after scripture after scripture about that. And it took over two hours that first day to give that to him. But I told him, remember, when I give you this Bible study, I'm going to pretend like you're not even a Christian, that you don't know anything about God or the Bible, and I'm going to give you this Bible study so you can see the full effect of it. He said, man, go for it. Yeah, I, I, want, to, I want to do that. I sat on his couch, and that first day I gave him that Bible study. Man, I like that. I enjoyed that. So we agreed again next day to come back. I went back the next day, and then we kind of touched on that a little bit more, spent about 15, 20 minutes on that same thought just to kind of relay that foundation, awaken all the thoughts that I had given him the day before because whatever it is that, whatever this apostle's doctrine is, we hadn't studied it, but we're convinced you got to believe it. There's no other way besides the apostle's doctrine. Didn't, he didn't know what I was going to say next. <clears throat> so after I laid that little foundation, we begin to get into it in the book of Acts, and we laid it out and laid it out and laid it out for about two, two and a half hours. Finally, he says to me, I'm near done. He says, Brother Rodas, he says, what if a person was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, like that? What would you say to him? And I know when he said that, he's talking about himself. He didn't say it was him, but I knew it was. I said, brother, as you can see, we've studied here. There's no Bible for that. There's no example for that. Nothing at all. You know, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The whole works just, you know, just reiterating. He said, I see your point. He says, I agree. He said, he said that's how I've been baptized. And then he looked at me and says, I feel an urgency to be baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. On that Saturday night, he came to my church. Baptismal pool was full. And I submerged him. I baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. When that voice said, talk to that man, I could have brushed it off a second time. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what God was going to do. I could, how could have I planned that? Maybe somebody can plan that. I'm not too good at planning stuff like that. But God is very good at planning stuff like that. So I baptized him. He said, listen, I didn't even tell my wife I was coming over here. She don't know a thing about it. She's a preacher, and i got to take some time with her. I said, okay. All right. He called me about a month later. He says, Pastor Otis, he says, I've got some people that want to be baptized. Can we bring them to your church? Yeah, we set, a, we set a night, and he brought about, I don't know how many it was, 25, 30 people. That night he baptized that group of people in my pool in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Hallelujah. His wife stood there and watched the whole thing, and he baptized his grown son as well in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How the Holy Ghost will set you up. How the Holy Ghost will set you up. We got to rely on the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> so I was, uh, went to a meeting. Many years ago, I was involved in this multi-level marketing deal. So they were having the meetings at this, I think it was South Suburban College, somewhere south. Maybe you've heard of that, been there, I don't know. I think that's where it was. So anyway, I was going to go to the meeting that night and be part of it. I was one of the 
people involved that I was just going to go sit and, <clears throat> you know, just learn and partake and, you know, no, just try to grow in, 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 in this multi-level marketing thing. And it was cold out. It was winter, and I had my long trench coat, and I'm sitting there. <clears throat> and um, so the meeting's going on. All of a sudden, I see this. It was, the meeting started probably at 7. All of a sudden, there's the, the, the wall, the main wall there to the, to the hallway was all glass. And so you could see anybody walking down the hall. And all of a sudden, I saw this group of people walking, a bunch of people, and about all the women had dresses and skirts on. I thought, wow, they look like church people. They look like some kind of Pentecostal or something. Okay, I didn't think nothing else about it. I thought that was cool. You know, somebody's having church here in the building probably. That's what I figured, right? Well, the meeting's over, right? And I'm done, and I'm getting ready to leave. I got my coat on. It's hanging way below my knees and getting ready for that cold weather. And I'm really thirsty. They didn't have any bottles of water in there. At least I didn't have one. So uh, I was on my way out where I came in, and there was a water fountain. Back in those days, we used to drink from water fountains. We weren't afraid, you know. <laughs> they didn't have germs back in those days. They've just been invented since COVID. <laughs> anyway, so I got me, a, I bent over. I'll just kind of pretend, okay? I'm getting a drink. Like that. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing this woman preaching. I hear this woman, she's saying, you can have the Holy Ghost. I said, what? I believe that. She said, the Holy Ghost is a gift. She said, you can have the Holy Ghost tonight. I said, wow, man, I believe all that stuff. And there was a door right here to my left. I mean, I'm three feet from this door. And I went over to the door, and I'm listening. She's still preaching about the Holy Ghost. I said, this is cool. You know, I'm going to peek in the back door is what I'm thinking. I'm going to peek in the door and, and, and just see what's going on. These people, this lady preaching about the Holy Ghost. And, and, and I opened the door, and I peeked in, and Lo and behold, it wasn't the back door. It was the front door on the stage. And I'm looking in, and all those people looking at this white face, looking in. Hi, I'm caught now. Might as well go in. So I walk in with my long trench coat, and it was a, it was a lecture room. And in the lecture room, I, 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 didn't, I didn't go to college. I'm not like some of you really smart people. I didn't get to do that. But this lecture room was kind of built like one of those old theaters, you know, when we used to go to movies when we was living for the world, you know. And, and it would kind of slant upward and it had those seats that when you stand up, they flip up like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, it had those kind of seats. So you could get more people in there, right? And so I, I come over like this. And the woman's standing down here. And she's still talking. She's about right, right here in this area. And there's this group of people. There might have been 50, 60, 70 people. I don't know when there. And I come off the stage, right, because I'm on the stage. And I come over here and I stand and, <clears throat> and man, I'm just feeling God already. I take off my coat and I lay it down. And I'm thinking, oh, God, how can I get these people baptized in Jesus' name? And my mind is erasing. My heart is going, boom, 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 boom. You know that something's moving on the inside. And God, I just want to do something, but I don't know what it is yet. And she's talking and she's about to end the whole thing and, Cancel, you know, the night's about over with. She had three people come down when I was standing there, and she prayed for all three of them, and they didn't get the Holy Ghost. It was two women and a man. And uh, so, okay, she was about over with, and I, okay, so now God, he tells me what to do. 
So I'm like this. I'll, I'll face you so you can see. But I, I did this to her. I was waiting for her to just to kind of look my way and span. And when she did, I went like this. Just kind of get her attention. And then I did like that. So nobody could see me in case she wanted to ignore me. I didn't want to, you know, embarrass myself or her or whatever. <laughs> but she did. She walked right over to me. And I says, um, Brother Rodas, I said, I'm from such and such church. And I said, I believe the Lord has given me a word for your people. If you give me about five minutes, I said, I believe that uh, God will bless. And, um, and if, you feel, if you feel it's okay. She walked right over to the middle. And she re repeated my words almost exactly what I said. I reached over and got the microphone. I knew I had five minutes. I wasn't going to lie to her because she's listening. She heard me say five minutes. But the Holy Ghost began to move upon me, and I began to preach about the Holy Ghost with all the fire and the power that was in me. And I began to preach that you can have it right now, and God wants you to have it. And that place lit up for the next several, three, four minutes. That place just lit up. People said, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. And people lift their hands. Just, just happening, just like that. God is doing it. God has set it up. God has set it up because God wants to do something. I don't know who these people are. <clears throat> but she was preaching what I preach. She believed what I had believed on this very subject. So I knew I had the liberty and I said, everybody that wants the Holy Ghost, I want you to come back down. And I said, I want you to come down. I want you to sit. I, I, I've already taken three or four minutes, probably close to five at that point. And there was a stirring. There was a holy stirring in that place. Those three same people came back down. There was the woman, the man, and the woman sitting right here in this area like that. And I, and, and, and I just continued to exhort for another minute or two. And while I'm exhorting, the woman on my left, her hands are in her air, in the air. She's sitting there, right? Tears are streaming down her face. Now, watch this. She stiffens out like a two-by-four. Remember those seats I told you about? She stiffens out like a two-by-four. When she does, she slides right out on the floor perfectly with her arms still in the air, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave her utterance. Nobody had touched her. Nobody had spoken to her. Nobody had prayed for her. But God wanted to fill that lady with the Holy Ghost that night. And she laid there on the floor talking in tongues. And the other lady also that night received the Holy Ghost in just the next few minutes. I'm saying that God will lead you and God will guide you and God will direct your steps and God will give you the words and God will set you up. It's called spirit-led evangelism. If you want to be used of God, you don't have to be a preacher. You can be anybody that loves God that wants to be used of the Lord. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout yes. Hallelujah. Let's stand right now if you would. Hallelujah, Holy Ghost, have your way. Have your way, Holy Ghost. We need you tonight. We want your spirit. We want your leading, Lord Jesus. We want your leading, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we can't do this on our own. We can't. We've got to have the book of Acts here in 2023 and 24. We must have the book of Acts. We must have this demonstration of the spirit of the living God in our lives. I'm not going to try to prolong this, but if, you, if you're feeling what I'm feeling and you, you've got a hunger and a passion, I just say, come up here and lift your hands. 
We'll see what God's going to do. Just come and lift your hands and say, God, I want to make myself available. Maybe God's using you, and I'm sure he is, but you want to be used more. I know I want to be used more. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. Oh, I'm happy. Don't misunderstand. But I'm happy with my salvation, but I want to be used more. I want to make myself available. I want to hear from God. I want to see what God wants me to see. I want to hear his voice. I want the leading of the Spirit to just tell God, use me. God, use me. Oh, God, you can use me. Use me, Lord Jesus. Use me, Lord Jesus.